You're listening to the news and why it matters on demand. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. We have a special guest in the house. Jason Howerton is back yes. with us yes. on CRTV. Yes. Hey, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Uh, Stu, what is the top story for you? The National Football League. That's, that's just, that's it? That's I mean, it's about. definitely the top story, but there's an observation I think is actually somewhat pertinent to uh, the audience and the way we think about, uh, see, this, sort of these culture wars. Is it that the Cowboys beat the Eagles? I don't remember that. I mean, if that's true, that I didn't see that. matters to me. Right? Yeah. Yes, I, that was just a couple weeks ago. We're about to take, actually, the NFC East. That's even bigger news. That's so. really sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> not a good division. No, not this year, Jason. <laughs> um, uh, judicial dictatorship. And how do you know when you're on that road in that direction? Okay. That. Jason Howerton. Uh, it's got to be Dan Crenshaw. Uh, and, of course, he's from Texas, and he's making uh, all of us proud down here. Yes. Mm, I love that story. Uh, got a lot to get into. Before we do that, we want to thank our sponsor, Brick House. Um, so as you can see on this table, we have some lovely vegetables. We've got the broccoli over here, the cauliflower over here, um, some edible moss. And um, so you could think this about is, eating this. This is like your Thanksgiving dinner right here. <laughs> it is. It is. I know. I'm, I'm talking about Field of Greens, but really, I'm in, deep down, I'm like, oh, this looks really good. <laughs> so you could think about eating this, or you could think about eating your vegetables in a shake, a smoothie. Um, in, it's, it comes in powdered form. Again, it's called Field of Greens. You take one scoop, and you put it in whatever liquid you want. And it tastes great. You guys have tried it. Yeah, it tastes really great. And it's a way to get your vegetables without having to eat your vegetables. Uh, So that is really nice. You don't don't have to be Sarah and enjoy cauliflower (laughs) to be able to work in this world and get get the vegetables your mommy told you to eat that you never did. Yes. And I'm about as meat and potatoes as it gets. Right. So I, I don't so you need this I don't touch your diet. This is exactly what I need. My yeah. wife is actually thanking you for the introduction to this. So. Say technically a potato is a vegetable and uh, we should see <laughs> it as that when it's fried in particular. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think you'll lose the nutrients that way. I don't don't that you, okay, Miss Scientist over here or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yes, your wives will thank you. Uh, they'll get off your back. So you can go to brickhouseblaze.com and use promo code GREENS for fifteen percent off your first order or you can text greens to 41411. Stu, the NFL. Yes. The we game. always appreciate when Glenn is gone and we get Yes, the, cat, the cat's away. Of course. <laughs> Time for the mice to play and talk a little sports. And it's it's related to sports, but not it's not exactly sports. First of all, if you didn't see the game last night, you missed out a oh big, in gosh. a big way. 54-51 win. History. Uh, yeah, it really was. It was one of the most amazing games I've ever seen. Um, yeah, a few penalties early on. But other than that, it was, it was a great game to watch. It was really exciting. Massive plays on offense and defense. I mean, it had it all. The crowd was insanely into it. The game was scheduled for Mexico City and was moved to the last second. So it was kind of like everyone, like, Jake, was it? Which is weird for L.A. Because I live there, and they suck mm-hmm. at being fans for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely awful. I, in my opinion, they don't even deserve an NFL team. Because half too. the time, they don't even show up yeah. to the games. Yeah. No, well, they lost them for, you know, decades. That's, you know, why, basically. One of the mean, biggest markets in the country. Yeah. How does that even happen? I know. But last night they were into it. I don't know if it was because, you know, the, just the way the, you know, the, the seats were sold. and there was, I mean, but it was really exciting. It was a playoff atmosphere. It felt like watching the Super Bowl. And these two yep. teams might wind up there. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. And as, as the game was over, I was kind of like, you know, basking in the afterglow of another great NFL game. And I'm a huge, huge fan. 
I started thinking to myself, like, there's there's a bunch of different kinds of people, right? There's people that just don't care about football, like, totally understandable. There are people who love it and watch it. There are people who would have loved to have watched that game, but it was it ran late and they didn't wind up watching it. But there's one group of people that that I think it's it's sad, which is the people who love football and would love to be watching it but made a decision over the past couple of years to boycott the NFL because of the kneeling situation. A lot of my friends. Um, a, lot of pe- a, a lot of people in our audience, I, I think, did this. I was just going to say, I um, think it, yeah. it is a lot of people in our audience. And I, you know, I understand it, and, I, and I, I understand why you would do that, right? You're saying, hey, the country's more important to me than this, and I believe the national anthem is important, um, and people should be standing for it. Completely agree. But take a step back for a second. I think like a, a, a re looking at this again is 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 worthwhile doing. Um, this is, there's Colin Kaepernick taking a knee is one guy taking a knee on a field. He is no longer in the league. He's not actually in the league and hasn't been in the league for multiple years. There are approximately two or three people in the entire league who are taking a knee and, and protesting the national anthem right now, um, if it's even that. I know one cheerleader recently started doing it as well. Really? Yeah, there's one cheerleader on the Bucks, and there's, I think, two or three players who are currently involved in this. Um, th- this is uh, two or three people out of, you know, a th- you know 700 yeah. people in the league, a very small percentage. All those other players... Um, in fact, many of them, real patriots, people who have uh, the technical team, the patriots, but also people uh, that America should like, unlike the patriots. Um, but like, you know, people who are, you know, who are real supporters of the military, people who, I mean, the patriots organization are huge supporters of Donald Trump, right? Yeah, like, people like uh, Dak Prescott, who refused to kneel and then beat the Eagles. But yes, <laughs> that did happen. I'm did happen. That, that did happen. I think, was it? The, For America. That was the one in the Super No, that was the other. Oh, God, no, they won. The, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So, something totally all right. Okay. Uh, I got this year. I got one freaking year. Give me a year. Um, but so, like, you know, I understand the idea to go to this, but take a step back. I think conservatives wind up getting in these culture wars sometimes, and we allow, we assign our decision making process to others. Why, if it's something that you would have enjoyed watching that game last night, why are you letting Colin Kaepernick make that decision for you? Why would the actions of this one guy who is not even in the league, why would that matter and affect what you're doing? You know, that giving control to Colin Kaepernick and his choice of sock is not something I want to be a part of. I want to make decisions on my own. And, you know, I think we get into this world where because Washington and the media have identified this culture war, we have to take this, you know, stance and, and, and change our behavior based on what Colin Kaepernick says. Like, Colin Kaepernick, I believe, has the right to protest. He can do whatever he wants. But I believe he's patently wrong about the issue he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And if I wouldn't trust him on, on analyzing the actions of police, why would I trust him on my entertainment choices? <laughs> this is my life. I get to make the decisions in that, in that life. Um, and I think we, we lose sight of the fact that, yes, this has been a, you know, it's all over Facebook. It's all over Twitter, you know, this culture war thing. And it's, it's faded out quite a bit uh, since the president started talking about it. But between Washington and media, it's been this big thing. And we've, it's, it, they've told us, they have told us we need to take a position on this. Well, uh, you know, every time you walk into a restaurant... Uh, there are servers at that restaurant who feel the same way Colin Kaepernick does. There are cooks at the restaurant who feel the same way Colin Kaepernick does. Every time you walk, you go to a gas station, the people working there, you go to a grocery store, the people stocking the shelves, the the television stations you watch, the blaze. 
I guarantee, I don't know who, but I guarantee there's somebody here who certainly disagrees. There's plenty of people who disagree, but really agree with what Colin Kaepernick says. You know, there are people in Trump's administration, I bet you. I mean, Omarosa was there for a while. She seemed to be pretty, uh, you know, uh, working with that. Um, There are... Every place you go, you're going to find people who disagree with you and and take passionate stances on the other side. If you make your decisions based on what they're doing, you're giving them control of your life. And I don't like doing that at all. I, you know, as a person who's an individualist and a conservative, I feel like I need to look at that and make my own decisions. And if your decision is, well, football sucks or your decision is, uh, you know, I, I can't do this because I really feel upset about it. I understand that. But we shouldn't let those decisions be made for us. We have to really stop and think about it and say, like, well, look, this is something that I really enjoy. Do I want something that is, is going to give me three hours of enjoyment taken away because of someone whose opinion I don't even respect is being uh, talked about on the field? And, of course, not anymore. I'll tell you what I did away. real quick. Yes. Because I'm a, I'm a very big, obviously, patriot guy. Mm-hmm. I, I love the anthem. I want you to stand. Yes. I think it's a sacred moment. But what I did with the guys who were kneeling and doing all this stuff, I didn't boycott football. I just rooted for them to get laid out. And I'd, and I'd, <laughs> and I'd watch and I'd, and I'd root for teams playing against, you know, teams that were doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it makes it, it even more enjoyable. makes it yeah. even more enjoyable. So, so I'm with you 100%. I mean, we have to learn to, to agree to disagree and to understand that you're never going to, why would you want to silence everybody who dis- changed the world to be exactly what you agree with? Uh, I'm with you 100%. So. What irritates me on this is just like how you talked about the overexposure with the media. Like pro- this could have happened back in the day. We just never heard about it because they didn't co- it wasn't blast all over every single screen whether you're holding it or watching it, you know, in your living room 24 hours a day. I mean, it, w- it was just insane the exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I It's relatively unimportant too. Like I, I, I the flag is important. Patriotism, I think, is important. What, what are more than this, even like Western values and what our country stands for is really important. But like the idea that someone whose opinion I outwardly don't respect is doing something that I don't respect should not really. I mean, why would that be a big deal? You know, different yeah. if the league took a position as an yeah. whole, right? That's different, but it, it, that never was the case. And the opinion seemed to be basically the league should have been harder right. on them or whatever. But They'll I mean... Kicked them out of the league, uh, like, yeah. whatever. Right, like, and, and they could take that stance, I guess, yeah. if they wanted to. But like, it shouldn't be... I mean, you think about Fox News, right? Like the, the, the typical conservative network that people would mention. It's like people who are... On, we were there. There are people on the air. I mean, Shepard Smith seems pretty darn from, you know, friendly with, with, uh, with this out- outlook. Uh, certainly there are cameramen and, and everybody. There's tons of people who work at Fox News who are lockstep in line with Colin Kaepernick. Where it gets difficult, in my opinion, is it's so easy to fix. The, the problem is easy to fix if they really want to fix it. Like, I don't care where you work. There are rules. And if you don't abide by them, mm-hmm. you know, you're fired. It's so easy for them to fix. They can just say, look, guys. You either stay in the locker room or you don't kneel. You stand there, you know, you don't, you don't have to put your hand on your heart, you don't have to sing, whatever. But you do this or else you get fined $50,000, you know, per game. They'd still do it. Hey, well, look, some, of the, yeah. some of them would still yeah. do it. And, and they would eventually quit after they've lost half their paycheck that year. Maybe. I mean, I mean I, I, if you're losing 50... You're in favor of them creating a rule making them stand. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I, well, well, well yeah. 
Actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm absolutely, uh, because I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, the rule exists in the NBA, yeah. right? I, mean, I don't think, but I don't think political protest should be a part of sports. I, I just don't I think like. That's totally a totally fine position. I think the, what the NFL is looking at here is not like the NFL. Like they're they embrace every freaking patriotic thing that they can mm-hmm. think of. They are not trying to make anti like America statements. Yeah. Um, but you know, in, like. But I think they look at this as a problem. There was a rumored policy that was going to come out, which was, hey, we need to, you guys need to be in the locker room or come out on the field or you're going to get fined. They actually were implementing that. The problem with this arrangement is they were in, in, a, in lockstep or they're having any relationship with a players union that has a lot of freaking power. And they opposed it. And if they don't agree to it, Yes, they can come out, and then that you have to leave it to individual owners to find their teams and like find their own players, and then those players are going to get pissed off, and it just winds up being too much of a hassle, I think. And it, like, I personally am fine with them kneeling if they want to. It tells me something about them yeah. which I don't like. You know, I mean, it would make me think of wanting to root for a different player, or, you know, or get them maybe uh, laid out I'll, if you're allowed to tackle anymore in the NFL. I don't know if that's still allowed. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but, like, I, I, I don't have a problem with them being able to do that if they want to do it. It's just uh, I, I can see how it's a problem. Like, when you're running a business like that, if you lose your star players, it becomes more of an issue. Mm-hmm. And I, feel, I always feel like the real solution to this is what's wound up happening, which is, you know, you don't see the anthem covered that way anymore. You don't, for a while there, every time the anthem aired, You'd have to have cameras on every single person and watch them all kneel. Uh, they just don't show it anymore, and now no one talks about it. Yeah, and when, one of the things that ticked me off in going towards that exposure stuff is, like, last year or the past couple of years, there's been an explosion in uh, faith-based players and actually de- demonstrating it on the field. Like, before, yeah. that was, like, yeah. controversial. Yeah. Tim Tebow runs out there and kneels down, like, oh, my gosh, what's he doing? Now look at, like, and gosh, I cannot believe I'm going to say this. I don't want to say this, but the Philadelphia Eagles as players are one of the best at this, actually. <laughs> they'll go out there, they'll pray, like they'll pray beforehand and they'll show it and every, every once in a while, the afterwards, um, like almost every single one of the Eagles is on like a 30 for 30 or some kind of like, you know, before Fox special showing how great they are. a lot of monetized video views from your Eagles. And their <laughs> <things>. so, <laughs> Carson Wentz, probably yeah. mostly. Yeah. yeah. Carson Wentz is one of the, one of the leaders for that. But, but I mean, but hardly anybody else will cover that. You'll get that ma- every yeah. once in a while on like ESPN or something like that. But as a whole, no one wants to cover that. They want to cover the people kneeling during the national anthem, yeah. but not that. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that we've hit our quota of mentioning <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles for probably the month. So yeah. let's take a break. Did you know last year they won the Super Bowl? Did you guys see that? That was incredible. Badly, badly. The best I, I moment in American history. You said that? No. All right, more to get into, but first want to thank our sponsor, Ridiazone. Uh, Ridiazone has been a godsend for me. Uh, I used to be what you would call a little chunky, or maybe you would just call really fat. I don't know. But uh, that was me, uh, the number 10. And it does not sense. look like you at all. I, I, it doesn't make I, any sense. I feel sense. like it's a scam, is what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not. It feels it's me. Like a scam. All right. It's I'm, me I'm next to my beautiful, tiny little mother who is still tiny and has really good genes. I don't. Uh, I always struggled with really you slow do know metabolism. That she probably passed some of those along. That's how this works. <laughs> no, I got him. I got my metabolism from my dad's oh, okay. side, sadly. <laughs> uh, and so I just have had sluggish metabolism my whole life. But I lost the weight, and I, ha- I was having trouble keeping it off. And Ridizone helps with that because it helps boost metabolism and help you feel full longer. It's something you're definitely going to want going into the holidays. So you don't gain like a gazillion pounds from now until January uh, and then have to work it all off as a New Year's resolution, which then everyone, no one does that. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone's resolution is like, I'm going to lose weight this year, mm -hmm. and then they don't. Yeah. Uh, For a couple weeks, I'm all about it. Yeah, you're, <laughs> everyone's at the up. gym the first couple weeks. <laughs> it's so annoying. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a couple weeks, but it's spread over several months. For, yeah. for those of us who <laughs> stay in the days. gym, it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. You're just like, okay, this was my machine every morning at this time, but now all these people want to come in. Mm -hmm. uh, so Ridiazone can help with that so that you don't have to go through all of that. Uh, you can go to ridiazone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. Get 30% off of a three-month supply right now using promo code TheBlaze. That is, I believe it's like $1.39, $1.79, something like that, a day. That's nothing to invest in your health. Go to ReadyZone.com. Uh, one of the Jasons, Jason Buttrell, judicial dictatorship. Yes. So I, this is, this is really irking me lately. Um, every time a federal judge will, like, okay, so going back, the last time a judge really, really pissed me off <laughs> was when they basically, they put the injunction for uh, uh, getting rid of DACA. I love that he and has I'm a like, list of, like, when a judge really, really pissed me off. It's a long list, but, um, <laughs> but I'll skip to just two instances for okay. the sake of time. Um, but, uh, it, like, that is, was just amazing to me because that was not a law. That was something that the president, then President Obama, just did, which you could probably, you could even say that was just unconstitutional, yeah. but he just executive ordered this thing just as kind of like a stopgap. Didn't go through Congress. Could have. But the moment that the, pres pre this, the current president tried to dump it, give the power back to Congress, he said, no, you can't do that. I'm like, what? It's like, how? You're not interpreting yeah, any law. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, I don't understand that. Well, the, the most recent one was, I believe it was yesterday, um, where a district judge, uh, that's still considered a federal judge, right? Mm -hmm. Federal judge, um, shut down the president's uh, um, plans to not allow asylum seekers when they enter the country illegally to claim asylum. They have to go through like a legal, you know, like an actual point, you know, of entry to do that. Right. So you I'm, mean they have to actually go through the process that is laid out for them to go through. Right. Well, so okay. So let's talk about that because it's the 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 law is the act the 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 refugee act is kind of vague on that. So basically, I, there there is some wording that says basically if you interpret it the way this judge interpreted, it, I guess is as long as they get inside the United States or get or get to the border, they can claim asylum. Now, it's, this and this is one of the thing reasons why I got out of the Marine Corps. And it's probably just military-wide because they make you do things that just don't make sense. Like there's like, guys, common sense. We don't have to follow, you know, use some common sense here. This, the Refugee Act was enacted in 1980. They obviously had no idea that there was going to be this tactic of 2,000, 3,000, whatever people just flooding down to the border. They didn't think about that. Now, that's obvious to people like now. Be like, okay, now maybe we should use a little common sense here. But... Of course, there, this is all about judicial activism here. So he, he doesn't really care. He went off of a, uh, of, of a lawsuit from the Southern Poverty Law Center for crying out loud and the ACLU. I mean, it's, it's got activism written all over it. But so the law states that basically as long as they're here, however they got here, they can claim asylum. Now, those are kind of built off of also like U.N. guidelines. And again, one of the reasons why, you know, these mega super, you know, treaty organizations like the U.N., E.U., whatever, um, how you can see the dangers where this can encroach on your sovereignty. If you're just going along with this, just because it's right for this country at this time doesn't mean it's going to be right for another country at another time. But this is one of those things to where this is a judge that his entire job, his entire re reason for being is to ensure that law and order is being maintained in the country. Right now, he's agreeing to put an injunction to help people break the law to then apply for asylum. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a wit's end on this. Now, the injunction, I think, only lasts until maybe mid-December, and then there'll be another, you know, a decision made on it. But, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss. Like, how bad is this going to get?
I mean, the, the, Look, it, I'm an idiot, so I don't know how the, that all that process works. But is it possible just to be devil's advocate that the judge could do the injunction to send it to to a higher court to let them kind of really analyze it and figure out, out what the right course of action good to precedent. do is? Yeah. Versus him just being a, I mean, he might just be a activist judge, right? But he's an he's an Obama appointed judge. Okay. Um, uh, yes, I, that that would be possible. I, I don't understand really what you would even get out of that because I'm I'm assuming that the, that the Supreme Court would say the president has a jurisdiction here to decide who come who does and doesn't come into the so, country. So maybe he just doesn't want to be the guy to, to make Obama mad. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kick it to somebody else yeah. and say you figure it out. Well, I mean, I think this is a it's a larger problem in that like um, whatever like let's say they delay this for two months and that exactly the thing happens. It goes back to the way it probably should have been from the beginning. Well, it's two months of people yeah. who have taken advantage of this, and this has become a more common tactic lately with activist judges, um, particularly against Trump, where they see they think he's acting in ways that they don't like. So they use their power, which is their power, to go and um, create injunctions instead of just letting it go through the process. Normally, what's supposed to happen is like his the policy would stay in place until it rose up and went through the process. Instead, they're doing these injunctions. And I was reading a uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a dissent. I think it was one of the dissents of Clarence Thomas in this last session. Um, and and those are always great to read. Anytime mm-hmm. Clarence Thomas, I mean, Scalia was the same way. Anytime I wrote anything, it was always worth reading. But in Tom, Thomas specifically calls out this practice and says, um, basically, we can't get to a point, I'm going to non-legalize this, legalize this for a minute. Thank you. Uh, we can't get to this point where like, Every time a court doesn't like a federal law, they get to just overturn it for a few months until we figure it out. This injunction thing that's happening all over the country, way more than it was ever intended for, is something, if it doesn't stop, we're going to have to take it up. He said that. In, it, was a, it, was, it was another case unrelated to the, an injunction question. It was just another case where the federal judge jumped in, canceled the policy for the nation for a few months until it got figured out. And like, that's not the way this is supposed to work. And Thomas is, that is on his mind. I mean, it was, it was an unrelated point and he, he made sure to put it in print. And I will not be surprised at all if, if, if within the next year or so, the Supreme Court finds a way to take that up and shut that down for only extreme circumstances, which, which is the only time it's supposed to be used. I wish, I, point. I wish I had the list of all the things that have been decided, like on local state levels, you know, like the, like the, the lower level courts that have decided, like, wasn't uh, the um, same sex marriage um, wasn't that originally uh, went up through the courts? Yeah, I mean, so many other like they don't have to go through you know the Supreme Court. Or they don't have to like go through legislature. They can literally do a lot of this stuff through the lower level courts. So they can change the way the country is supposed to be ran just through these this judicial dictatorship style of running things. And it can't rise up fast enough for everything to be dealt with, right? Like Supreme Court right. can't take on every single one of these things, mm-hmm. and they know that. So they, you know, they, they keep trying to get their way in, in ways that they shouldn't, and it's, it needs to be stopped. It does. I mean, they, it, we can't be run by the courts. Yeah, and I do think it is important to uh, point out really quickly um, before we break that Jason just, I think it was you who was talking about this the other day, that people conflate a lot of the time, you know, if you're against the migrants coming in, that you're xenophobic and all these other things, just because you don't want illegal immigration. uh, You know, like there's a time and a place, and I think we all can agree at this table that we're all for immigration when it's done the right way, and we know who's coming in our country, and we know that they're going to be productive citizens of society. Maybe they have, you know, specialties that they can contribute you know, special things to our economy, but 
that you, we you, people have to be careful not to conflate just because you're against a yeah. migrant caravan, you know, <laughs> barreling their way into the United States doesn't yeah. mean that you're against immigration as a whole. Something, yeah, totally. Uh, and something has to be done with uh, this new tactic of flooding the border. Something's got to be done about that. Now you think about now, like the, the 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 main port of entry in Tijuana has been closed for I think like three days because of this. Yeah. Think about what that does to the economy for yeah. both countries. This is closed. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. Jason Howerton, Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, since we pushed the best topic to the back end, that's fine. <laughs> but so I'm not surprised a Cowboys fan would think the NFL was not the best topic. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Cowboys fan. Wow. That's fine. That was a, um, that was a zinger, though. <laughs> so Dan Crenshaw just won uh, election in Texas uh, to be a representative. And he is, uh, you probably know him from SNL. Um, yes. He was mocked, and then he went on, uh, and he had this awesome moment where he roasted Pete Davidson. And it, it was like a great, great politics moment. Loved it. It was awesome. I'm also convinced that he has read Glenn's book. Addicted to outrage <laughs> because everything that he has said goes right along with that. The way that he Possibly handled the Pete so. Davidson thing was just like, we don't need to be outraged. Possibly guys. so. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So, but he's now kind of become a national figure. So he's on, um, was it Face the Nation uh, the other day? And he did what I wanted for so long, which is these Sunday shows where they go and they debate and they. They speak in these stupid hyperbole and, and Trump is this and Trump is that and there's no substance. There's no, there's no actual conversation happening. Like nothing's happening. It's just noise like on your TV. So he goes and he's like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean, what do you mean Trump is a, is a threat to the free press? What do you mean that's an attack on the free press? Explain what you mean. And it threw the whole panel mm. into like disarray because nobody's used to that. They're used to either being agree, mostly just people agreeing with them. Trump is a racist. Trump is this. And everyone's right. just like, yes, well, indeed, indubitably. <laughs> and so he just asked what is that was his question. What? Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, it looked like they had a hard time kind of understanding how to, how to put their words to their, to their claims and what they were saying. And so uh, my prediction, he's not going to be invited on that much more. <laughs> he's, that's just not what cable news is anymore. It's not what they want. That's not what they're looking for. Mm. Um, once, once kind of his star, um, you know, fades a little bit, I, I, I don't think we'll be seeing uh, him as much, if, uh, at least on, you know, the big ABCs. Yeah. Well, he's too effective to be right. invited yes. back. Correct. Uh, he, we, you need like the Alex Joneses to like, yes. to like make, you know, the caricature of, of what a conservative is. You can't have somebody like Dan who can dissect arguments and actually get something if, done. If you're not willing to engage in hyperbole, like what place do you have on cable news now? I mean, literally, that's all it is. Like, in that segment, it cracked me up. Because right when he, when you, the moment you were talking about, when he's like, can you, well, like, what are you talking about? Like, you have attacks on the press, what are you talking about? Real quick, real quick. So, when I, I was doing an interview once, um, I can't remember where it was. It, it was on one of the, the bigger places, and, and I was there, and I was talking, and I was, in, in the same breath, I defended Trump, and I attacked, or not attacked him, but I criticized him, mm-hmm. defended him, and, like, was trying to do kind of what Dan was doing. Um, and I got off... Closed my laptop and I was in a hotel and there was a guy behind me uh, on the other side of the conference room in the hotel and he looked at me and he goes they're not going to invite you back and I was like 
I was like, I'm, I guess I was that bad, right? He, he goes, no. He goes, they're not going to invite you back. You made too much sense. Like, <laughs> you're too reasonable to be on cable and to be on news because that's kind of what it is now. So that's kind of exactly what it reminded me of. Mm. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who haven't seen it or heard it, uh, I think we have a couple parts to it. Let's watch the first one now. I mean, precisely that, that I think some of our democratic freedoms and the principles that we live by um, have been under attack for the better part of the last two years. Congressman, like, do you want to Only respond to that since the president has is the leader of your party? Yeah. Well, I, I always ask the question, like, w- like what? You know, like, what is he undermining exactly? Like, you know, what, what democratic freedoms have been undermined? We just had an election where we switched, switched power in the House. Democracy is at work. People are voting and we're in record numbers. Um, I, I always ask for examples, and then we can hit those examples one by one. And if it's and if it's worth criticizing, it's worth criticizing. But just kind of this broad brush criticism that the president is somehow undermining our democracy. I always wonder like, what exactly we're talking I'll about. Be happy, what, 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 I'll, I'll be happy to add all of the I'm things. Ha- that he's I'm happy to give an example. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. the undermining of the freedom the free of the press, press right. you know, judiciary, well, well, CIA, how, FBI, how the voting process. Right. So and there's more to this that we can play, but really quickly. OK, so they listed undermining the free press, the judiciary, the CIA, CIA the FBI, right. yes. which is exactly so what he, he said, just what? said. He said what? Explain what? Not just things. Just yeah, he table, said, and chair, he, lamp. He even said, um, you know, we get into these broad brush criticisms and they just did exactly yeah, what exactly. he just said, broad brush criticism, and just listed all of these departments. I was expecting to end with dogs and cats living together. <laughs> he goes on yes. and pushes them more and tries to get them again to explain more narrowly what they're talking about. It's really great. Yeah, let's watch that. Obama indicted, it was, sure. had many press members under investigation. Trump is not. So what is the difference here? Last week, one of the largest media publications in the United States right, had to go to a federal court in order to essentially uh, regain access no, that was to for the one press reporter. room. One reporter. A, a, not the whole, not the whole organization. organization. Including CBS did file amicus That's right. in support. Yeah. So, I, I mean, again, I think we obviously would be, it's part of much larger Because he was disruptive. But, well... <laughs> Again, I, I would argue that our president disagree. is consistently no, disruptive in those very same press conferences. And I would argue <laughs> but, but that he how treats is that them an, with How is that an disrespect. attack on the press, though? Mm-hmm. Be, yeah. Because it's literally an attack oh, on the I've press. I've literally been attacked. His, so I, 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 again, his, let's choose his, our words carefully. His language is an attack. Okay, so why can't cases. he speak? Why, why is he not allowed to use his own language and freedom of speech? Because, you, and you talked about this actually, it's important that we lead from example, that we lead from the top. And the way that our uh, president you, is I, currently I agree leading. with you there. I agree with you there. Style is one thing. If you want to criticize style, I, I'm with you, right? But to say it's an attack on the freedom of the press, that is a very bold statement. I could watch that not knowing who that is and tell you he is from Texas. I, <laughs> I like the Texas praise on it. I mean, he's great. He's very effective. I mean, and I think like it's important to, to look at that in this case. And first of all, the judge did not agree that Jim Acosta was not disruptive. That is not what the case was about. It was just an injunction. It's, a, it's like a first step in a legal proceeding. He has temporary access basically back. Uh, and whether the administration was right. I, I tend to think that they shouldn't have done it because it gives Acosta so much attention that he wants. But legally. You know, legally, I mean, they, they don't, I, don't, I don't see how, it, it's not a First Amendment issue, first right. of all, because first, uh, constitutional rights are not granted to people who are members of CNN or who are members of the White House Press Corps. Like, they get, uh, those are granted to everybody. So if, if Jim Acosta has a First Amendment right to be in there, so do we. Okay, and I know we don't. So, uh, like, it, it's a ridiculous claim in the first place. I, I want to just quickly, though, make make this comparison to the media and people who who 
who, let's give them the benefit of the doubt here for a minute. What they see is a president who is trying to limit critical coverage of himself, right? And he is taking action against a media organization. And while I agree with Dan's point where like, hey, this is, it's one reporter, it's not the whole organization. The president of the United States should not be dictating to organizations which reporters they're allowed in. Like he shouldn't be able to, oh, I'll keep rejecting people until I get somebody friendly. Again, I'm making their case here a little bit. So what we see here basically is not an attack on the Second Amendment or First Amendment. It's, it's an attack on, it's, it's a possibility of a slippery slope. Right? If we don't fight back here and draw a line, this guy's going to be able to do all sorts of things to us, and we have freedom of the press. It's the sort of argument they cannot understand when it comes to the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. When you're coming out and saying, like, oh, these are common sense measures. Like, this is, we want to take this and say, oh, look, it's, we just can't have a 500-round magazine. That's all we're doing. It's no big deal. And Second Amendment proponents say, wait a minute, this is our constitutional right. It shall not be infringed. Any minor step you take to try to limit that amendment is something we have to react harshly about and fight back against. And I can understand that I don't agree with them and their take on on their case with Acosta, but I can understand how if you're a press organization and you feel there's someone who's adversarial to you, you have to make sure you're fighting those battles every single time to hold that line. The same thing happens with the Second Amendment. They can never understand it. Oh, we can just take half of your rights. We can take three quarters of it. You'll still be able to you know, buy a gun with a permit that we give you. And after you're trained and if, if we, sh- we say you're, you're not mentally incapacitated in some way and all the r- r- little ways they want to work that. Oh, well, we'll just put the restrictions on the bullets and we'll just put restrictions on this. And we'll per- like, you can see why we'd be defensive on that. They should be able to see it. The way they act about the First Amendment is, it is I think, at times incorrect. But still, I understand the passion to defend that right, and they should understand it when we're talking about the Second Amendment and also our First Amendment rights when it comes to uh, freedom of speech uh, those are, and freedom of religion. I, I just wish they picked anybody but Acosta to be the guy, like, terrible. to be the hero. <laughs> right? Like, I can't do it. Like, seeing him marching in the White House. like a, oh. No, no, no. What about when he, uh, he, when he had them revoked, he had his pass revoked, and he went to the outside grounds oh, yeah. and was and like, hello, phone. Jim Acosta here. I'm outside oh, the White House because I, I can't get in. Like, I would literally would have supported <laughs> anyone else. I would have said this is unacceptable. And I still, th- I'm with you. I kind of think he should just let it go and he's the president and he just has to deal with it yeah. but but anybody else well like, that's the problem is is it really wasn't it wasn't acosta being chosen trump chose acosta right trump is the one that made him I into this big true. martyr and that's why i really hate it because jim acosta just loves jim acosta yeah and he wants to make himself into a big hero and we're it, we're giving him that path and i just don't like that there was, there was this photo where he was somebody was videoing like recording him walking back to the white house and he had the biggest smile on his oh, face it's yeah. all like, yeah. he's so like he did you so see his press conference yes. after he actually that, that he got the injunction he walked up to reporters and asked <laughs> them for questions. Oh, do you want to ask a question? Yes. I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's infuriating. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, the worst. Uh, Democratic women feel united by gender? Yeah, this is kind of, I I don't know. This is uh, is interesting. I I, I think my perspective on this, like if you were to say, because of the way the media talks about gender and and race and all of these things that are so identifying, you know, how people are going to vote and, and how they think. And, and, you know, we always see people saying, you know, Ocasio-Cortez, well, we need to have people who are, you know, we need to make sure the diversity of the uh, opposition to Nancy Pelosi, we have enough men and women and, and different minorities represented in that opposition. Well, what if they just think Nancy Pelosi sucks? Like, it, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. It's about, you know, the, the, the point, not about the color of the skin, content of character. Somebody made that point a long time ago. Um, but what's interesting, I would think that, like, Democrats would be, like, totally about, not, about seeing themselves 
as just members of a, a gender or a race. They would associate that we have all we're all in this together, and and that's how they would they would see themselves. And you'd think maybe Republicans are the opposite. New polling is out where it shows really it's very limited. In fact, of people people don't see themselves as members of giant groups. They see themselves as individuals. And this is a poll that came out, and this is actually in the Huffington Post, shockingly. If you look at it, you see uh, the top one is female Democrats, and they're the only ones who see themselves having a lot of co- in common uh, interests uh, and concerns based on gender. Instead of saying gender is not really relevant, um, only 34% say uh, it's not relevant for uh, Democrats and, and females, but 50% say they have a lot in common. But every other group wow. says gender is not relevant um, by pretty large margins. In fact, the largest one are male Democrats, mm-hmm. actually more than male Republicans, seeing that this is... Now, you could say that that's part of them essentially pandering to... I was to, about to say, yeah, right, because like, they're ashamed of being right, male. Right, ashamed of being but, male. That's yeah. probably part of that one. <laughs> but still, like, if you take out even the Democrats, you look at yeah. the... And I would say even 50% of female Democrats, which is the highest number, um, uh, is, is, is much lower than I would have thought it would. I would have thought it would be 80 or 90%. Yeah. And just for, just for the people listening on podcasts, there mm-hmm. was all of those categories, female independence. Yeah, so, yeah. I'll, independence. To run it down for podcasts. So you have... Uh, these are the people that say gender is not really relevant. 34 percent of female Democrats, 45 percent of female independents, and 63 percent of female Republicans. But on the male side, it's 61 percent of male Republicans, 50 percent of male independents, and 58 percent of male Democrats say gender is not relevant. The majority of four of the six groups and uh, uh, the plurality of uh, five of the six groups say, look, this isn't about gender. And this this was also reflected in some of the questions they asked about race. It was questions about income. It was questions about um, uh, all sorts of different dynamics that they measured this. People, generally speaking, say, yeah, like I, I might have something in common with them, but I don't see myself as a member of a group that we all have to w- walk in lockstep. I'm an individual. And I think in, you know, the more that we can treat people as individuals and not as members of groups, the less problems we have. I mean, what is racism at its core? It's identifying people as just a thing in a group rather than seeing them as an individual. Something different. Something, right? right. It's like, that's what we are. We're different people, and I'm glad to see that that's reflected so, so is, widely. Is the takeaway here that female Democrats are crazy? Uh, I, <laughs> you know, I don't think so exactly, uh, but... Uh, I just wanted to be clear. I, yeah, I okay. I wanted to clarify. It seems to be your takeaway. And, uh, that shows I'm that you're sexist. Saying, I'm just asking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let me see what's the poll question we have here today. All right, today's poll. Uh, comedians have officially been scrapped from the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Mm. Some think the dinner should be eliminated entirely, while others believe it's an important tradition what do you think? Let us know on The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. And we will see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here. You're coming back tomorrow. Yep. I think they should just eliminate the dinner, the food. So they have to sit there for three hours and listen to someone speak. Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.